Hi there. This is the second offering from the Astounding Tales podcast. If you find us on iTunes, please take the time to rate us. And if you've got another spare minute, leave a rave review. Because that'll help other people to find us. Shopping is set 100 years or so after our first play, Iapetus. I hope you enjoy it. In centuries to come, it will be said of these British Isles that they have become a landscape of gentle industry, of turfed roofs, canals and hedgerowed fields, giving way to wilder parts which flex and breathe with each coming season. Salting, brindled moor and fell, wildering river down and fen, estuary, rock and glen. But in one place, the woods give way to hardy grasses and dandelion, goosegrass and brambles, as the detrital and neglected city fringes come into view. The edgelands, shanty towns of immigrant and indentured workers, rubbish dumps and litter-strewn scrubland which form the frontier with capital city. Capital city whose founding mothers and fathers bought up piecemeal its antecedent, the City of London, declaring that place of burning lights and towers an independent state when they reclaimed it from the floods, whose wealth filters down to swell the bank accounts of the fortunate few, some callous, some kind, and who, perhaps reluctantly, counted amongst their number the curious and eccentrically industrious Menka Mukherjee, whose substantial inheritance had included one cluttered, slightly shabby, slightly dusty townhouse in a quiet tree-lined street of the ancient district of Gisledon. Here, she filled her days with joyful inquiry and relatively harmless distraction in the company of her permanent houseguest, Alceste, resting actor, frustrated by the limited roles that the conservative theatres of Capital City had to offer a three-foot-tall, shrew-like alien from the planet Sorek. Whoa! Whoa! I am suffocating in dark clouds, floundering in a sea of despair, sinking into a mire of inertia. I cannot breathe. Tear down these fusty old curtains at once. I must have light. I must have life. There's something getting you down, Alcest, dear. The clock's unremitting tick-tock. Will it never cease? Hear how it portions out the moments of my despair. Have a sugar cake and a cup of lapsang souchong. That always perks you up. How can you be so cruel as to talk of lapsang souchong? Look, just look at this. A teacup. A chipped teacup. The tea service is ruined. Oh, how I'm bowed with weariness of this life of domestic toil and worldly clutter. I'll admit the place could do with a bit of a tidy up. This world is vile, and I've made my mind up to having nothing further to do with it. Take me away, Menka. Take me somewhere vital and brimming with inspiration. Well, we could always go shopping. A capital idea. What is that you're fiddling with, anyway? I'm making a device that translates the signal sent along the common mycelial networks between plants into an audio output. I beg your pardon? Plant communication. You'll be able to listen in on them having a chinwag. What a wonderful idea. Although, I'm not quite sure I like the idea of a talkative buttonhole. 
I imagine your average Dahlia, though pretty as a poppet in a pink frock, would make the dreariest of conversations. I think the flower's essential otherness may preclude any possibility of actual conversation. Oh, really? Well, never mind. Now put down those tools of yours at once and let us away. Mr. Flea's Emporium of an Earthly Delight. I grant you, junk shop chic is a very a la mode at present, but would it not be prudent to update our inoculation certificates before venturing within? I mean, it doesn't even have a coffee shop. Oh, fiddle-faddle, come on you, let's see if we can dig up some treasure. At the very least, I need to find some corn plasters. These new sling bags are pinching something rotten. Very well, but I absolutely insist upon pie and fine wines at Mrs. Lovett's to follow. Oh, Menka, darling. I apologise for my disparaging remarks. It's truly marvellous. A veritable Aladdin's cave. Mr. Flea's Emporium of Unearthly Delights. Bathed in the golden light of dusty attics, explored in childhood. Musty with the unmistakable smell of paper books and memories. All manner of curiosity and forgotten things were tumbled about the place in no discernible order. A framed recipe for a marble pudding. Gold from the court of the Grey Folk. A three-stringed harp from Vogue Prime. Menka gleefully rummages through the contents of a tea chest branded Austin Bound. Hey, now this looks interesting. Menka pulls out a tarnished silver wand from a tangle of spare parts and peculiar devices. Oh, and it still has a bit of life in it. I would advise you to put it down and wash your hands at once. The thing looks suspiciously gynaecological. It appears to be some sort of ultrasonic device. Look, I can make this metal bolt spin in the air. Hmm. Don't they have screwdrivers or some such for that kind of thing? What the dickens is it for? Well, it's probably a... A medical instrument contrived to facilitate the removal of gallstones from the body. That is a particularly ornate example, handcrafted for a sadly now deceased medical practitioner whose widow failed to discern the piece's essential beauty. Fancy that. It certainly is a pleasure to handle. Oh, it's making me go all tingly inside. Yes, well, don't wear it out, Menka, darling. May I be of any assistance to Madam, sir? All right, just browsing for now, thanks, Midduck. As you wish. It is at this moment that Alcest espies a large, wine-coloured birthmark which mantles the man's right cheek, lacing across his jaw and brow. An unusual feature in a city whose inhabitants so readily indulge in cosmetic surgical modification. I say, I know it's the fashion these days to accept the tiny blemishes that nature dishes out to one, but do you know you can quite easily have that removed? Uh, excuse me? Uh, you know, the old wine stain there, on your cheek. Aha, I see. Yes, it is a common mistake. I am in fact that very wine stain, as you put it. And what you perceive as being my body is actually my kind host. I am a mookaban. Locks, a body snatcher. Alcest, don't be so rude to the, uh, fungus. Sorry. Oh no, do not concern yourself. It is a perfectly common and understandable reaction that my kind have become accustomed to. No offence is taken, I assure you. I would rather seek to assure, sir, that my kind form a sympathetic relationship with only the corpses of animal species. The immune response of any living host would prove fatal to any mucoban who attempted to force a symbiosis. Yes, well... Uh, perhaps sir or madam would consider bequeathing their bodies to the mucoban Benevolence Trust upon their 
regrettably inevitable demise. I believe I have the relevant documents to hand here somewhere. Perhaps another time, when we've had the chance to think the matter over. As you wish. What's in these funny-shaped bottles here? Immune system suppressants, madam. I beg your pardon. <laughs> Just my little joke, sir. No, the bottles merely contain particularly potent ale. Uh, perhaps I can offer you a sample? Uh, no, thank you. Not at the moment. As you wish. Uh, I am Mr Flea, and my charming assistant over there is Priya. Please call out if you require any help. Ah, Madam Horowitz. Do please excuse me, won't you? How delightful it is to see you looking so well. Statuesque in a deceptively simple knee-length dress and jacket with sharply tailored shoulders, a grouse feather twitching from her smart little cap, Maram Horowitz gracefully greets Mr. Flea. Her companion, a man of gorilla-like proportions, towers above them. Alceste, love, you seem to be a little distracted. I can't believe it. Quick, take my pulse. I think I may faint. Whatever is the problem? Over there, it's Maram Horowitz. You what? Oh, her. Her? Her? Maram Horowitz was, is, one of the finest actresses of our time. That fella she's with is a bit beefy. Oh, wouldn't it be marvellous if the proprietor could arrange an introduction? Never mind all that palaver, just get over there and introduce yourself. Make her know. What a handsome suit the gentleman is wearing. Hmm. Oh, Grace and Perry. Rocky has impeccable taste. Such fine stitching. Ah, now, where is that girl? Priya? Girl? I have a device here somewhere. Ah, yes. Ow! I find a gentle shock administered from a shackle keeps a bond servant motivated. Ah! You're right, ducks. Beg pardon. <laughs> Quite all right, madam. Oh, you're a big fella, ain't you? Lumpy in all the right places. Do forgive my somewhat forward friend. Menka, darling, you'll be the death of me. Madam Horowitz? Yes? I'm so sorry to trouble you, but when I saw you, I simply had to come over and congratulate you on your Camille. So bold. How very sweet of you, um... Alcest. In fact, I tread the boards myself from time to time. Oh, uh, of course. Now, I come to think of it, you do look familiar. Now, what was it I saw you in? Hamnet, perhaps. A modest production, I must admit, in the Putney branch of Cheery Shopper. By the cheese counter. It's so important to reconnect common people with the theatre. Hamnet, yes, that'll be it. Yes? I'm certain I read favourable reviews. Mm. Well, lovely to meet you. Yes. Oh, how embarrassing. Flim Flam a fiddle faddle. I thought you made a very good first impression. She'll probably consider you for her next production. You really think so? Ah, Priya. That outfit's just stunning. Your last witter post didn't do it justice. Ow! Don't bother Madame Horowitz, girl. Oh, do let her speak. I never shy away from a compliment. Are you fond, dear? Madam Horowitz, your posts are always top trending on my Witter feed. You bring such courage and grace and glamour to your films. Bless you. Well, glamour is my stock in trade. Would you like a selfie? Would I? Come along then. 
Madame Harowitz, constant star of a fading age of film, hugs Priya in a well-practiced manner, taking deliberate care not to make actual physical contact with her impeccably powdered cheek. Priya trips the power stood on her ring, Hiya. illuminating both her outstretched palm and their faces with a sky-blue rectangle of light. Cat. Meow. Photo. A familiar image of pouting star and grinning admirer flashes into Priya's palm before gently fading away. Oh, I haven't seen a format like that for a long time. What device are you using? It's the cat. A smart brooch. Mr. Flea gave it to me a good deal. A smart brooch? How fashionably demote. You know, I used to have a handsome pair of puppies studied with Alexander Wright and Martin Barrow. Gilda Bardot made them especially for me when I received my 10th Greenaway Award. I remember that. You were breathtaking. Don't lay it on too thick, girl. No, I find it delightful. I'll be sure to have a little something for you with Mr. Flea. Oh, thank you kindly. And she curtsies too. All right, girl, that's enough of that. Come and help me with this container. Blimey, Mr. Flea, what have you got in here? Bricks. I trust Madam understands that certain legal ambiguities have to be circumvented in order to acquire such an item, and therefore a modicum of delicacy is called for regarding its provenance. But of course, I receive many such anonymous gifts from my admirers. I appreciate your discretion. So I apply my finger to the biometric lock and... Oh! It's a rare bit of coral, isn't it? I wasn't far off with bricks now, was I? Ow! Hadn't you better get on with cataloguing that delivery of Proxima B prayer wheels? Done and dusted, quite literally. And yes, I kept all the dust. Why on earth would you want to collect dust? Oh, people will collect anything, you know. Ha, ha! Mr. Flea skillfully draws Maram Harowitz's attention away from a case of knockoff vases that are destined to become genuine Proxima B antiques through the artful application of the recovered alien dust. Now, madam, I must ask you to remember not to touch the item without first donning a pair of these heavy insulating gloves. This is so deliciously audacious. Now, what on earth are they up to over there? They appear to be petting a darling little rabbit. How sweet. It is a peculiar spectacle to witness what one might naturally regard as being an innocuous object, such as a shard of rock suddenly erupt with coruscating light and a fathom's deep throng to shake one's very bones. Even more so when that same rock begins to plough its way across the surface of a rough wooden bench. Certainly, the unfortunate rabbit was transfixed by the sight. Mesmerised, you might say, until its terrified shriek rent the air and it shrank in horrible death, withered away into a pelt of fur and a pitiful pile of bones. Oh! Now I don't recall ever having seen anything quite like that before. Manka? Such an adorable little monster. I think I'm going to be sick. Right, you! Uh? You can't be dealing in those things, Galatians, here, not on Earth. Galatian? It's cute. It's an unconscionable killer. Cat? Meow? What are Galatians? Silicone life forms native to the planet Conticon. They resemble large, irregular, incandescent rocks, growing on average to a height of 4.5 metres weighing 3.5 tonnes. 
Ponticon has been accorded a protected status of unique scientific interest by the Galactic Trust, and as such, it is a criminal act to remove any materials from its vicinity as defined by... Ow! That's quite enough of that. A carnivorous rock. But it's just darling. Darling, my ass, it'll grow into an implacable blood-drinking monolith. And it's a protected species. It's a prohibited species. Only a maniac would think of inviting one into their company. Mr. Flea, perhaps Rocky could be of some assistance here? Why, thank you, Madam Horowitz. If it's not too much trouble. Rocky, please escort this riffraff from the premises. Mm. Hey, watch it, Buster. Unhand me, sir. This suit is hand-stitched. Get your filthy hands off me. You'll be hearing from my lawyer. Is this how you get your kicks? Manhandling defenceless women? Please, I have a hard condition. I must apologise for that unfortunate occurrence. I assure you our patrons are usually of the highest calibre. A couple of wastrels seeking shelter, perhaps? I'm certain that is the case. Well now, this business has quite spoiled my good mood. Priya, fetch Madame Horowitz and myself a glass of sherry. Then you can clear away this mess. Yes, Mr. Flea. Oh, they appear to have left their umbrella. I'd better throw it out after them. We don't want to invite any unnecessary litigation now. Perish the thought. Well, off you go. Chop, chop. The indignity. Just look at these lapels. They'll never recover. Outrageous. Well, I guess I'll just hang on to this sonic ratchet as compensation for such shoddy customer service. Oh, fine consolation. <clears throat> oh. I couldn't help but overhear what you two gentlefolk were saying in there. Oh, yeah? Yes, mate. Well, after witnessing such a terrible display of murder back there, I thought to myself, those two are quite right. Something needs to be done about this vile trade. And you have something in mind, do you? Indeed I do. Papers. Go on, Pet. Mr. Flea is a ton of them. Every delivery, every contact, every penny recorded, filed and catalogued. And I have access to the lot. I can find out who supplied that monster and where you can get your hands on them. Fantastic. Come for a tipple and tell us all about it. I can't, can I? Look. Priya hitches at the leg of her dungarees to reveal the smooth, onyx black shackle. The means by which Mr. Flea had admonished her with such discomforting electric shocks. My, what a finely turned ankle. No, I'm a bond servant, ain't I? My parents took on a debt to migrate to Capital City. Mr. Flea purchased that debt and I inherited it from them. Until I get rid of this shackle, I'm going nowhere. I thought perhaps you could uh, assist me to that end? Oh, well that seems sorted. that damn thing. All I wanted was a little lolly for my information. Oops-a-daisy. Go. What am I to do now? They'll throw me in a labour camp. Don't fret now. I'll just pay off this debt of yours and then we can all go and have a quiet little drinky somewhere. Oh my eyes. You poshos don't have a clue. I say steady on there. As soon as you broke that shackle I became a runaway and they always make an example of runaways. Go. Oh my goose is well and truly cooked. I've got a scarper. Wait up there. 
my legs aren't quite as long as yours. And besides, keeping up such a pace can't possibly be healthy. Why are you following me? Haven't you caused me enough trouble? Oh, I'm sorry, dearie, but it just occurred to me. Why don't you run away with us? Oh, thanks for the offer, but you're hardly inconspicuous. Whatever does she mean? They'll track me down like a shot if I hang around with you two clowns. If you say so, but I just thought they'd hardly be able to find you off-world. Ha <laughs> ha, we'll never make it through the spaceport terminal. There are ways around such tiresome formalities. Oh yeah, when you have your own starship. Come again? Oh, didn't I say? I'm incredibly rich. Okay. So, tonight we'll break into Mr Flea's. No way. Alcest and me will break into Mr Flea's emporium of unearthly delights. We'll find out who's supplying him with all these alien beasts. And then first thing tomorrow, we'll fit you out with a cunning disguise. Take the lift to the space docks. And then we'll be on our way to putting a stop to all this horrible business. You make it sound so easy. Do you really think so? This is a starship. The Sally B. Where are the gleaming walls and colourful control panels? Why is there so much rubbish? All these clothes. Is that a chandelier? And what are these? Twiglets. I thought star travel was about minimising weight and eating space rations. And where the heck would the fun be in that? Imagine making first contact with an exotic new species, only to discover that your boob tube clashed with its tentacles. Or, worse than that, the cocktail bar was down to egg-based spirits and glacé cherries. This is the age of the democratisation of star travel. For the incredibly wealthy. I will grant you that, but this is the age of the individual. And if I want to bring fine single malt whiskies and fabulous millinery to the cosmos, then I blooming well shall. You're totally batty. I'd prefer Maverick, if you please. You're both going to get me killed. Ah, poppycock. You're in the safest of hands. Embrace your newfound freedom. Just look out there. All these worlds, peculiar peoples, curious cultures, a cornucopia of cuisines. And billions upon billions of shoes. Breathe deep, Priya, my lovely. Do you smell that? I can certainly smell something. That is adventure. Actually, I think it's the ashtrays. Uh, the service drudger appears to be on the blink again. Never mind that. I'm sure Priya will be happy to help out around the place with that kind of thing for now. What? On. On to adventure. <laughs> to adventure. In Shopping by Mike Exelby, you heard Sajinda Bola as Alceste, Ketna Boutron as Menka, Josh Kolu Exelby as Priya, James Bide Thomas as Mr. Flea, Ivalina Mitva as Maram Harowitz, and Mike Exelby as narrator and other parts. Menka, Alceste and Priya will return in an exciting two-part adventure called The Galician Horror. I'd like to say it will be around the end of the year, but these things are just for a bit of fun, so more likely to be early 2019. Okay, see you then anyway. Ta-ta!